It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and the Adam Ritz Show is on campus today at Penn State University, Greater Allegheny, in front of a live studio audience. Thank you so much. This is a part of fall student-athlete orientation, and we have uh, come on campus today to honor you, the student-athletes, for your integrity, your character, your community service, and your spokesperson today is Kayla Franklin. Hi, Kayla. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic. You've been singled out by some of your coaches as uh, being the spokesperson because of your hard work with, uh, is it the Lions Lion Ambassadors? ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Lion Ambassadors. Lion Ambassadors. Tell us about the Lion Ambassadors here on campus. Um, basically, Lion Ambassadors, we kind of work directly with students and families um, who are interested in Penn State or who are coming to Penn State. Um, we'll give tours. Um, do different events with uh, children throughout um, the program, um, such as the merit badge for the Boy Scouts. Um, We work closely with the missions, getting students in, um, helping them get more acquainted with the campus. Are you a senior now? No, I'm a sophomore. Sophomore, wow. Student leader, so young. Now, how do you get more members of the uh, squad to join the Lion Ambassadors? Do you recruit? Is there a strict process to get in? Um, yeah, and it was funny because when I first did it, I wasn't, I didn't know there was actually an interview process. Um, so I was a little nervous, but it's nothing really hard. Sometimes if I walk around campus, I'll be like, hey, look, you should be a flight ambassador. Um, but basically, you can get recruited or you can sign up during our t- activities fair. Um, and once you, like your application is reviewed, um, we'll ask you for an interview. It would be like a maybe four or five people, um, the head leaders, Amanda Maskin and Bob Pyle, along with um, maybe the president, I'm president this year of Line Ambassadors, or the vice president. Um, we'll just ask a few questions about community service, uh, leadership qualities you may have, uh, different situations you can overcome, and then if you do well, you're in. So when you're walking around campus and you see somebody and you're like, hey, you should be a Lion Ambassador, what is it about them that makes you say that? They're not wearing a Kid Rock t-shirt, are they? <laughs> no, they're not wearing a Kid Rock t-shirt. <laughs> um, some people I may know personally, um, especially with the newer freshmen, uh, with orientation and everything, um, or others I just ask, because you never know who may have good leadership qualities or not. It's always good to give it a shot. And also, before I let you go, I want to uh, talk about Thon. You're, you're a part of Thon. Now, it's world famous at Penn State, the money raised for the uh, Children's Hospital, correct, or Kids with Cancer. Yes. You, you explained to me what THON is, how you work with it from the Greater Allegheny campus. Um, THON is a student-run organization um, that raises money for kids with cancer. Um, basically, throughout the year, uh, we have certain canning days. We'll actually go out um, different locations and ask people, hey, you don't mind donating to kids with pediatric cancer? Sometimes we get a yes, sometimes we get a no, sometimes like, oh, what did you guys, you know, what are you doing? Um, but it's actually really great. So we'll raise a certain amount of money Um, to raise money for kids with cancer. And then in February, second week of February, the weekend, we go to Penn State University Park, um, and we just dance for the kids, um, play with them. We have opportunities to go on the floor and just dance with them. We elect two two dancers um, to go down. They have to stay up all 48 hours. Um, And we actually, while you're in the building, you have to stand all 48 hours. And it may seem like a hard process, but it actually gets you to think like, 
hey, little kids, like even two, three-year-olds going through cancer can fight this battle. Why can't I stand up? That is great. And it's world famous. It's the original dance marathon through Penn State. Uh, you, I guess, headed up here from the greater Allegheny uh, perspective. We thank you for coming on the show. And uh, let's have a round of applause for Kayla Franklin. Thank you so much. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. The Adam Ritz Show. And the Adam Ritz Show rolls on from Ames, Iowa, on the campus of Iowa State University. We're blessed to have with us the head coach of the Cyclone football squad, Paul Rhodes. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Adam. It's, uh, it's inspiring for us to meet head coaches, especially in Division I college football, the Big 12. It's big-time football, and I like talking to the head coaches about uh, – some off-the-field issues about dealing with character. And, you know, these are some issues you have to deal with with your own players. Uh, it takes a high-character kid. It takes a kid with a lot of leadership skills to be able to play this level of football. How do you approach those uh, type of topics with your kids? Well, first of all, it starts in the recruiting process, in, in my mind. And when our coaches go out on the road, uh, that's the young man we're looking for, a young man with uh, high integrity, high character, honesty, uh, wants to achieve in the classroom, get his college degree, and so forth, making those conversations when they get on campus that much more easy. Um, I'm talking about it all the time. I'm, I'm talking about character, behavior, attitude, every bit as much as I'm talking about X's and O's with our kids. So we, we don't ever shy away from those topics. So you say it starts with recruiting. Does that – lead me to believe that maybe you have a scholarship for, for two guys and definitely the guy that has a, a better attitude is going to get that scholarship? Does the character issue really come into play, uh, what if, even if he's the most talented five-star athlete out there? Because I'd love to hear that that guy's not going to make it because of the bad character. There's no, <laughs> there, there's no question um, that it's a tiebreaker. Okay. And, and uh, with, with limited scholarships, uh, and, and, and we've got well over the number of players on our recruiting board for the number of scholarships we've got. And when we're coming down to those decisions about offering or taking commitments, um, yeah, t taking that kid that we don't think is going to get in trouble, that's going to make the best decisions, whether it be game day or, or any time during the year, is, is going to be a tiebreaker. Iowa State Cyclones head football coach Paul Rhodes is joining us, and I want to talk about academics. I got a, a tour of your new facility here, and in the locker room, in the locker room, there's a computer lab for homework, projects, uh, internet, uh, research. I've seen a lot of Division I college locker rooms, and I have not seen an academic uh, research computer lab in a locker room. Was that your decision? It leads me to believe you've got a very – academics is at the forefront of your program. It is, and, and uh, it was our decision. The, the, the fingerprints of this new facility uh, are, are completely ours. Um, we, we, we left out the pool tables. We left out the pinball machines, but we didn't leave out the computers. And, and we feel we got everything that our kids need uh, to be successful, both on the field and off the field. And that's something um, that their time is spent on. And, and we've observed it since we've moved in. And, and uh, we're, we're proud of that. I didn't notice that until you just said it. You're right. There's no pool table in the players' lounge. No, um, <laughs> we, we we did give them some gaming machines and all that, but uh, you know they like their music, they like their TV, and they they like to play the uh, the Wi-Fi and, and those kinds of things. So so we we got that there for them. But uh, yeah, we left out some of the other frivolous things. Well, maybe if the Cyclones win a national championship, that's the carrot in front of the horse. I'll get you guys a pool table if you win the national championship. That, that that'll be the third story on a building, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rhodes, can't thank you enough for joining us. Have a great season. Adam, thank you very much. Hi, this is Craig Tornquist, comedian, motivational speaker, and very proud of uh, my connection with uh, Students Against Destructive Decisions, uh, Special Olympics, and fine United Methodists everywhere. 
Um, uh, proud to be connected also with Adam Ritz, who is about to entertain you now with more of his interviews. Back to you, Adam. And we thank you for listening to The Adam Ritz Show, coming to you now from Morgantown, West Virginia, on the campus of West Virginia University. I'm inside the Kappa Alpha Order Chapter House with Brian. I didn't catch your last name, Brian. Farewell, Brian Farewell. Fairball, Brian Fairball, you are the philanthropy chairperson for Kappa Alpha Order here at West Virginia University. Yes, I am. And we love learning about uh, college kids, their philanthropies, how hard they work uh, outside of the classroom to raise awareness, raise funds. Uh, as philanthropy chairperson, what do you guys do on campus here at West Virginia to make a difference? Well, last semester we held a soccer tournament where we invited each sorority to come up and participate. And obviously to raise the money we asked them each to donate a certain amount of money so they could enter the tournament and have either one team or two teams and it just basically a soccer tournament and other than that we had other events leading up to it that would also help raise funds for such things as uh, we had a barbecue one day um, also we had a coin collection where each we we'd um, ask each sororities to, in the mountain layer we had a booth and a cup for each sorority and they would drop certain amounts of change in their cup. For example, a nickel, dimes, and quarters would be positive points to their effort and dropping pennies in another sorority's cup would be negative for them. <laughs> so just different ways to add up. You know what, I'm sensing a theme here where you're doing a lot with the sororities. It doesn't yeah. have anything to do with the fact that they're the women on campus, does it? <laughs> that uh, helps out. <laughs> so that soccer tournament, the winner of that tournament, did they get a special prize? Uh, or is there a prize they get to come back and, and have dinner with the gentlemen of Kappa Alpha Order? Yeah, well, the way we do it is each, each event adds up points towards winning our overall philanthropy. And for example, uh, the soccer tournament obviously held the most point value towards winning the overall thing. What we would give as a reward for winning our philanthropy is we would make a donation of whatever we raised towards their, their, their sorority philanthropy. And also, I think we gave them the game ball and all the brothers signed it. And yeah, okay, that's cool. And then uh, I'm going to guess, uh, I think I remember that Kappa Alpha Order works nationally with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Is this the organization locally that uh, is getting the funds and the awareness from all the philanthropy work you do here on campus? Yes, MDA gets all the, all the um, money we raise. And let's just talk real quick about your position as philanthropy chair. Is this something you run for? You get voted in? Uh, do you pick your successor? How does that work? Uh, well, basically, uh, the president and a couple of the guys in one meeting just brought up who, who, who we thought would be good for this position, and they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, yeah, I would do it. So. And there you go. And you were telling me off mic that you're getting ready to graduate. What's next for you, Brian? Yeah, well, I'm a sport management major, so I'm looking to work maybe for a pro sports team somewhere, even minor league, just anything really. Well, this is a sports uh, campus, the West Virginia Mountaineers, always a good football team. Yeah. Uh, your head coach, Dana Holgerson, uh, he's a fired-up guy, and your basketball team is usually pretty good. Is it still – is Huggy Bear still your coach? Yeah, Bob Huggins. Yeah, Bob Huggins, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a character. Him. I mean, this is a sports town. So uh, use that major, use your West Virginia connections, your philanthropy work with the MDA. That all looks great on your resume. We wish you the best of luck. 
And uh, most of all, we thank you for coming on the show and talking about all the hard work you guys do here at Cap Alpha Order to raise money and awareness for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. We are in Pullman, Washington, on the campus of Washington State University with head coach, head women's basketball coach, June Doherty. Hello, June. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm doing great. And we are not here to talk about sports or basketball, although I might squeeze a basketball story out of you later. But we're here to talk about your work with um, a social issue, a heart health issue. Uh, What are you involved with from a heart health uh, social perspective? Well, first of all, let me tell you that I'm a cardiac arrest survivor. Six years ago, my heart completely stopped one afternoon, and I was actually uh, dead and Fortunately for me, 11 cardiologists from the, from the Everett Heart Clinic happened to be about 40 feet from my car. My daughter ran out to ask for help. They came out in the rain in Seattle, and with defibrillators, they were able to save my life. And you were dead. Yeah, I was gone. I was gone for the count. The, in fact, the, uh, the EMTs answered the call from Everett as well. Uh, they had shocked me four times. I did not come back. Uh, they asked the cardiologist to go ahead and call it at the scene, you know, to, to say she's deceased. And he, uh, he had done some work with me earlier, and he said she's got a strong heart, she's an athlete, there's no way, and he just kept going. And on the seventh time of being shocked with a portable defibrillator, I came back and was revived. What was the scenario where you happened to be that close to all of that equipment? Were you just going for a checkup? Um, what if you had been on the on the 18th green? Yeah, no, I was just so I exactly that. I was into a routine doctor's appointment, just a little bit of follow up, and uh, uh, fortunately, my daughter that day did not feel well, did not go to school. She was 13 at the time, and she asked if she could stay with me that day, and uh, you know, so she happened to be in the car with me, and that's when I had my arrest, and uh, she turned to me and looked. And, and I was totally gone and, and you know, ran into the clinic, like I said earlier. And uh, fortunately for, for myself, that the, the cardiologist knew that I was a strong athletic person and that my heart shouldn't be in a situation where it cannot be revived. And he, st- he stayed with me. And as, a, as head women's basketball coach here at, at Washington State University and a former uh, player at Ohio State, you, you'd said you're an athlete. How much did that play into, uh, I guess, your heart health? Um, did the doctors tell you if you weren't a former athlete, if you were obese, or if you were um, an unhealthy eater, or any other of those factors? Would this have happened way earlier or way more extreme? I don't know how it could have been more extreme. I mean, you were dead. but <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, with, you have to understand, in women's uh, the study of women in heart disease, it's the number one killer of women in the United States. It's seven times more prevalent than breast cancer, diabetes, any of those. I think that shocks people to even hear that, that that's the number one killer of women in the United States. Um, the, the, the research in women and cardiac deaths and just cardiac disease only started about 12 years ago. So they don't have a lot of answers to why we are having as many, as many health problems as, and issues as, as we are having with heart disease. Um, that's why, you know, people have to get behind the American Heart Association and, and, and donate money to Hope Heart and, and Sudden Cardiac Arrest and any of those agencies that are out there trying to find the answers so that the next generation doesn't have, doesn't have the high statistical rate of death because of heart disease in women. 
June Doherty is our guest, um, head women's basketball coach at Washington State University and a cardiac arrest survivor. Your work with uh, heart health and, and heart, you were telling me off, off mic about the work you do with kids, with elementary school kids. Tell us some of those statistics. Well, I think one of the things that every parent out there has to understand, and you know, we hope that your, your kids are active and in sports or enjoying just being on the playground, playing recess, you know, that, that's so important for their health to, to, to be healthy hearts as young people. But one of the number one killers of young children is cardiac arrest. And we see more cardiac arrests on playgrounds in elementary, junior high, and obviously high schools than we see anywhere else in the country. Unfortunately for us right now, a lot of states do not mandate that there are defibrillators in schools. And because of that, we lose a lot of kids. We lose about, about 10 to 15 kids a day in the United States because we are, we are not able to revive them quick enough. Several times, it's just heartbreaking to know that if there was a defibrillator close by, there's about a four to five minute window, those young people could have been saved. So, uh, you know, a huge advocate of getting defibrillators in the schools and for parents to know that most of the time that the elementary schools, that they're kids are in are not as safe as a kid being in a mall, a casino, or even in an airplane because all three of those areas actually have defibrillators mandated to be in, in the area. So it's a four-minute window when you have a cardiac arrest, heart attack, so some kind of action where your heart stops. And that, that four minutes can go pretty fast if you don't have a defibrillator close by. Close by. I'm going to ask you a question you've probably been asked a, a thousand times, and, and I'm going to be the thousand and first. <laughs> when do, what do you remember about that day when you went into cardiac arrest and you were uh, pronounced dead? Um, was there a light? Do are psychics yeah. trying to get in touch with you to find out what you know about the other side? Yeah, you know, I, I tr truly have been asked that a lot, and it's a curious question for uh, for everybody. But the only way I can answer to it, to be honest with you, is um, I ended up in the hospital for eight days, and I had short term memory loss from the whole situation. So I remember actually being in the parking lot close to the cardiac cardiologist unit and my daughter being with me, and the next thing I can remember is being in the hospital and being surrounded by my family, my friends, and teammates, and asking, who are we here to see? So there's, you know, there's a big lag for those eight days of memory loss. Uh, so as far as I know, I, I didn't see any lights. I didn't have any voices, I think. But I can tell you, wherever I was, it was very peaceful. And, and, and that's about all that I, that I can truly tell you that I remember from that day. That is just, that is amazing. What an amazing story. We thank you for your work with with uh, heart health awareness and consciousness, with defibrillators in schools, all the, all the charity work you do. Are there uh, foundation websites or Facebook pages maybe we can look up some of this stuff you work with? Or? Just go to the American Heart Association and, and, and Google it, look it up, and, and find out. And Go ask your principal, do you have a defibrillator in my school, you know, for whatever level your children are at? Because often and not, there, there isn't one. And that four minutes is that precious window. And like I said, we're losing 10 or 15 kids a day in the United States on playgrounds because we don't have defibrillators that could save their lives. Well, before I let you go, let's uh, turn up the heat and have some fun here with uh, head coach of women's basketball at Washington State University, June Doherty. We thank you for your time, and let's have uh, some fun with maybe one of your best memories either as a player at Ohio State University or as a coach here at Washington State. 
Uh, a lot of great memories. You know, I, I've been so fortunate to have great coaches and great teammates and be in a very positive situation. I actually had a player when I coached at University of Washington who had a cardiac arrest and came back and, and uh, our team had to go back and, and play a basketball game two days after she had her arrest and was in a coma. Uh, uh, yeah, and it was the most amazing thing to see our team go down and play USC. And we ended up in a double overtime game. Our kids had been up for, for 48 hours. The staff had been up for 48 hours just trying to deal with Kayla and help her, her through her situation. But uh, I, I've never seen, you know, statistically, we lost every stat on that game. Field goal percentage, steals, turnovers, rebounds, but we won the game. And it was one of the most amazing feelings to see both teams come together at half court and, and embrace each other and, and look up to the sky and say, this one was for Kayla. Thank the Lord. Was this before or after your cardiac arrest? It was actually about five years before mine. And actually, and Kayla actually stayed in the hospital with me when I had my arrest. As soon as she heard about it, she drove to the hospital. She stayed with me. She helped, uh, uh, you know, with my family and uh, obviously with, with my doctors and the choices that had to be made to, throughout the eight days when I was unconscious. And you guys are you're now your heart sisters forever. We we are we are <laughs> we're, we're two two uh, very very close individuals. She she actually works for Hope Heart in Seattle and is making a huge difference in, in raising awareness and funds for healthy hearts in women. And she's also an, e, an EMT, so I'm I'm just super proud of her. That is so cool. All right, well June Doherty, uh, we wish you the best of luck with your your heart uh, awareness, heart health awareness stuff that you're working with in your charities and foundation, and we be, wish you the best of luck on the court this uh, season with Washington State. University basketball as well. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks. My pleasure. Get socially technical with the Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social technically. Dominic Russo is our next guest. Hi, Dominic. How are you? I'm doing great. Outstanding. Can I call you Dom? Dom is fine. Sure. Or, you know, Dominic just said, that's such a cool name. Dominic <laughs> Russo. That's a celebrity name. Yeah, it's a little, little Irish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Dom, uh, I'm really proud of, of the work you've done as founder and current executive director, or president, rather, president, right? of, um, of uh, I don't even know the actual title of your organization, but it's so cool. Tell us what, what it is. Well, it's the United States Power Soccer Association. It's the governing body for power soccer throughout the United States. It's a sport designed specifically for power wheelchair users to be able to enjoy the sport of, of soccer. Uh, it's played on a uh, regulation basketball court. It's a four-on-four game. And it's not an everyone-wins sport. It's a very competitive game. Power soccer. How amazingly cool. And you founded this on your own? Well, actually, uh, the, the sport's been played uh, throughout the United States for about 30 years. Um, and in uh, 2006, we founded the organization nationally. And uh, the governing body became in existence, and it became a 501c3. So. Okay, and what is, uh, I guess, the basis or framework for your passion for this? Well, we have uh, two children with um, spinal muscular atrophy. It's a form of muscular dystrophy. Um, and so uh, we are constantly looking for something to keep them stimulated and entertained and, uh, and to show them some of the things that sports can bring into their lives and, and uh, teach them uh, life skills that you can only learn through a team sport. And uh, this uh, came along, and my son... Uh, was able to uh, experience it at a muscular dystrophy camp and brought it home to us and brought a book of rules home and said, yeah, we have to try this. And I was a little hesitant, you know, in the beginning uh, because I thought it was another overly adaptive sport where um, it's kind of uh, everyone wins and it's not very stimulating for them. We've tried many and, and they're great for some, but they weren't for my kids. And so um, we finally decided to try it. And uh, that was in 2003. And uh, we've been uh, focused on it ever since. 
So this is not connected at all to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Um, many groups and organizations that um, I guess can't participate in, in, a, in a normal soccer game can take advantage of, of your power soccer. Exactly. It's for all people with all kinds of disabilities, whether it's quadriplegia, muscular dystrophy, cerebral palsy, um, and uh, many others that I just, you know, I'm drawing a blank on off the top of my head. But if, do, you're, do, if, you're, if you're in a power wheelchair, we want you to play. So does the MDA and those organizations, is there any affiliation with, with your group? Well, uh, it's been slow progress, but they've actually invited us to uh, participate in uh, camp activities. So the um, problem is, is they usually happen in a four-week period of time all over the country, and uh, okay. we're not that big yet to be able to do that. But we try and do as many of those camps as we can to show the young kids, uh, because uh, actually the strength of our sport is through our youth. And so uh, we try and get as many young kids involved in, uh, so that the future of the sport. But we do have... Um, actually a veteran that's 75 that plays in Orlando, and he loves the sport. So it's uh, any age, any gender, and everybody plays together because uh, the, the power of the joystick is the great equalizer. Okay. <laughs> Dominic Russo is our guest. He's the, you're the Roger Goodell of power soccer. You're the, uh, I guess, founding, uh, founding father, current president, um, and exiting president. So how, how, is this a hands-on, uh, I guess, changing of the guard for you to work with the next president to make sure power soccer proceeds and progresses throughout the country? Exactly. There's a, a board of seven people that um, govern the body of it. and there's, um, So there's a number of people that are there. We didn't change the whole uh, board over. So, uh, But we'll be watching closely. I work hand-in-hand hand with the new president, um, and he's uh, out of a program in Minnesota. Um, and he, he's got a great power soccer program up there as well. Power Soccer, the national organization, what's the website? We can check it out. It's uh, powersoccerusa.net. And uh, I check it out. There's a video on there, a little marketing. Uh, we appreciate any support we can. It's a 100% volunteer organization, and it's a 501c3, so any dollars that are donated, we're tax deductible. So the funding that you receive and uh, our listeners that donate through that website, um, that all that money funds Power Soccer. And I'm, from my small brain, I'm thinking you need equipment, the actual powered wheelchairs, what else? Actually, we don't provide equipment. Um, actually, what we do is we use that money to actually go out and reach out. It's, it's outreach is what we, we're responsible for, is growing the sport throughout the United States. We currently have 60 teams throughout the country that are competing regularly, wow. and so our next goal would be 100. And uh, there's many states that uh, just haven't had the opportunity for us to get out there and actually uh, exp you know, expose them to our, this great sport. It's fantastic. I love it. I can't wait to check out more online with Power Soccer. Dominic Russo, the current president, founding father of Power Soccer here in the United States. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Adam, for having me. Hey, this is Jeff Saturday. Just want to say how important what Adam Ritz is doing. This is truly a difference maker. You're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. All right, I'm Adam Ritz, and we are broadcasting live today at Warner University in Lake Wales, Florida. All right, Warner University. Uh, in Florida, great, uh, great place to ha to go to college. Walk into class, it's not 29 degrees, and we have our first guest with us right now. What's your name, sir? Adam Novak. Adam, great name. How are you? It's the Adam and Adam Show. <laughs> and what are you studying? Communications. Communications, fantastic. So, as we stated before, off microphone, you're really bad at math, aren't you? 
very bad. <laughs> you know how I know? Because you were a communications because major? Because I was a communications major, and I'm <laughs> bad at math, too. So if anybody needs any math, uh, calculus, uh, algebra, um, uh, you know, help after this presentation, after this broadcast, go see Mark. Ryan. Ryan. Okay, don't come see Adam or Adam. We can't help you. All right, we're going to broadcast live here with our first news story. We have a headline that uh, Adam's going to read for us, so we go now live to the news desk. Here's Adam. Second arrest made in Halloween vandalism of college president's home at Wells College in New Hampshire. Awesome. Adam, I want to thank you so much for helping out with the show. Let's give Adam a round of applause. That's fantastic. Okay, it's a Halloween arrest, and uh, there's a couple of things that jump out at me that I want to share with you here with this story. It's the second arrest made in this vandalism of the uh, president of this college up in New Hampshire, uh, Wells College. Jason Colby was arrested. He's the second one to be arrested for this Halloween vandalism. Uh, they tore up the president's car and her house at this university. Here's the key. Um, Halloween, very recent, uh, just within the last uh, few days. And uh, this event, this vandalism happened in October. So it's a great demonstration to everybody that uh, the decisions you make have consequences. You vandalize uh, a car, somebody's house, you will get caught, you'll get arrested, you'll have the consequences to pay. Uh, but you, you, ne you never get away with it. You're never off the hook. This happened, this didn't happen this Halloween. This happened last Halloween. A former Wells College student arrested in connection with vandalism of the college president's home and vehicle last year. So he's charged with felony criminal mischief. Felonies... You know, as everybody in this room and on this, listening to this broadcast knows, felonies alter your life forever. And nobody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, maybe tonight's the night I get a felony. Maybe tonight's the night I'll, I'll vandalize the president's car. Um, in a year from now, I'll get arrested and have to deal with those consequences. Decisions have consequences. And that, with the help of Adam from Warner University, is your decision-making public service announcement uh, here from Lake Wales, Florida at Warner University. And thanks again to uh, all of our guests today. What a great show. We'd love to hear from you, too. We're very active on Twitter. It's at Adam Ritz, just like the Ritz Crackers, R-I-T-Z, at Adam Ritz. Join us on Twitter. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit AdamRitzShow.com.